Greetings. Uh, it's good to see you here this morning. Nice warm day already. Uh, I'm Pastor Al. I work with and under the direction of Sean Oberfeld, and uh, I'm the care pastor. And often at the end of each service, I'm usually right over here and other folks, if you need prayer or anything like that, or there's any uh, thing that I can do for you or for your family, okay? I just want to encourage you to do that. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about temperaments. Yeah, temperaments. Everybody's got one of those things, a temperament. Now, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give numbers and statistics and things. I will say I, I have looked at the book there that Tim LaHaye wrote in 1966 about the spirit-controlled temperament, and I did draw some things that sparked my interest. Um, but I have to say that 95% or even greater of, of what I'm sharing today, this message today, uh, is from my own experience and observation. Some of them are very funny, some of them are very serious, but uh, I'm speaking from that standpoint. Um, if I had to guess, I would imagine that temperaments in general relationships, and even in marriages, of course, affect many of us, if not all, probably really all of us, if you really are honest, in some way, even though maybe just a little bit. You may have a perfect relationship, but there's always a little thing. And um, it, I believe it affects all to some degree. But I, I'm here to say that temperaments can be modified. They can be changed. It happens in my life. It happens almost weekly, you know, when you're under the direction of the Spirit of God. He pricks your heart. But uh, a temperament can be a very good thing. It can be a very good thing. It can get you into trouble. And uh, I think of, of King David in 1 Samuel 25 when his dealings with Nabal the Carmelite, uh, Nabal kind of blew David off, and he didn't like it. So he gathers up 400 of his men, and he said, strap your swords on. We're going to take care of this guy. Well, his, uh, Nabal's wife, Abigail, who later on, if you know the Old Testament, she actually became David's wife, but she ran interference and, and stayed David's temperament. So that's just one example. There's other examples. David had many encounters, actually, but a temperament traits are usually genetic. We've all heard the statement, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, we, you know, temperaments are genetic. Whether a guy or a lady can determine the nature of a temperament. Temperament traits, whether controlled or not, last throughout life. That's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> so you're, you're married to a great guy, you're married to a great lady, and you think, oh my goodness, I got I to gotta deal with this for the rest of my life. No, it's not that bad. Temperaments can be improved. They can be improved. And that's, I hope that today when we leave, temperaments, there will be a great deal of hope. Okay? Anyhow, temperaments will, can be changed by the assisting power of the Holy Spirit. It is possible. Proverbs 19 and verse 11 says, The discretion of a man... Uh, defeats his anger. 
or defects his anger. The discretion of a man defers his anger. I'll get it right sooner or later. Defers, that means shuts the, puts a fire out. You think about something before you speak, slow to speak, you know, slow to anger, slow to speak. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Now, I want to relate to you a story, an incident that happened uh, to me um, over 21 years ago now. 21 years ago, uh, a young man who used to ride my school bus at the age of 16 passed away. But let me tell you this story. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, this, I had this young man on my school bus. His name was Dwayne Willover. Dwayne was just a normal, average, red-blooded American boy. He loved to laugh and have fun, and sometimes it got a little bit out of hand. But I noticed something about Dwayne. He wasn't always, he wasn't quite the same as he had been in years earlier, and he would kind of wobble just, just a little bit. And I saw it, and I, I noticed it, but I kind of didn't think too much of it. Well, one day he did something on my school bus, and I rode him up on a pink slip. I was kind of out of character. I mean, I had the authority and all like that, but I was angry. And I come down on him hard, and I rode him up. I emptied the bus that day in the circle, pulled it into the garage, grabbed my pink slip, and headed to the principal's office. I got to the principal's office, and... Uh, the principal wasn't there. He was out tending to something, and there sat Dwayne in the hot seat. I said, Dwayne, what are you doing here? I said, I'm coming over to write you up for one thing. My goodness. Dwayne, be responsible. And I kind of scolded him. Well, and he goes, oh, Mr. Mr. Bat. And he kind of rubbed his face. He says, oh. I fell asleep in Mrs. So-and-so's class, and, and she wrote me up. And there were two or three other slips there, and then there was mine. I said, Dwayne, there's a deeper problem here. And the Bible says the discretion of a man defers his anger. Instantly, my anger was deferred. The temperament by which I entered into that office was changed. It was, and I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I said to Dwayne, look at Dwayne, you have got a lot of problems. And I took that slip and I tore it up right in front of him. And I says, I'm not going to add to what you've already got to, through, got to go through. And I tapped him on the back and I went out. And I went straight to the principal. And I said, there's a problem here. It's just a whole lot deeper involving Dwayne. And of course, you know, you got a thousand kids, and, and, and he was, you know, he didn't think nothing of it. A, a day went by, and I, again, I said, look, we got to do something. There's a problem. There's a deeper problem with Dwayne. The third day, nothing was done. Finally, I was kind of exasperated, but I knew something was wrong. And I went into the superintendent, and I spoke to him, and I told the situation. He picked up the phone, made a phone call, and then as I left his office, I heard over the PA, Dwayne Willover report to the, to the nurse's office. 
And here comes Dwayne, and he was kind of going like this. And I come up beside him and walked with him to the nurse's office. The nurse did a basic exam and immediately said, we got to go over to the hospital. And they, long story short, he had an inoperable brain tumor. And uh, that, the day that I tore up my slip in front of him began a day of a relationship that I had with Dwayne that was genuine and good and strong. And Dwayne, I'm glad to say, knew the Lord Jesus. He accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. He died at the age of 16. That was 21 years ago. I don't know if Grandma and Grandpa are here or not. I saw them about a week ago and we talked, but um, do I, I'm going to see Dwayne in heaven someday. But here's what I'm trying to say. The discretion or the understanding, what God gives us because the Spirit of God is inside of us, will defer our anger in a given situation, if you could see deeper into the situation. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. I passed over a transgression because I tore up the slip. I threw it in the trash can. The Bible tells us man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart because out of the heart are the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The place to change a man's behavior or a temperament is on the inside of man, not on the outside. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There it is. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In Job 32 and verse 8. But there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. Wisdom, Proverbs chapter 4. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And in your getting, get understanding. God gave me that understanding. He then adjusted my temperament. I then became Wayne's, Dwayne's advocate. Temperaments can be adjusted. They can be worked on. God can, even Peter in the Bible had a temperament that was vastly changed by the new birth. And Peter himself wrote, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The place to change man's temperament is inside. The new nature equals a modified temperament. A modified temperament manifests the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 is up there or will be up there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And as if that's not enough, Paul throws in there, against such there is no law. Nothing can snuff it out. Nothing can put it away. When the Holy Spirit occupies an individual's life, he begins immediately 
to modify the human temperament. In my observations of individuals I have come to, who have come to Christ, I've had the privilege to witness this unmistakable, supernatural modification. I've seen it. I've seen it in the hospital. I've seen it uh, outside in other situations. Uh, in, the, in the first service, I thought, I, you know, I don't know what it is. Usually some of my encounters are with big guys. I don't know what it is with me and big guys, but I'm always something to do with a big guy, and I love to pick on the big guys here because I know they, got a, I know they have a modified temperament, and so my life isn't going to be threatened. But uh, this, one, this one fella was um, at a funeral home several years ago. The, the undertaker called me and, and said, Al, uh, listen, will you do the funeral for this family? And I said, sure. So I met with the family and all that kind of stuff. And the day of the funeral, uh, there were two big men that stood in the back. They were the sons, and they weren't with the family when I sat down with them. But the one guy, he just kept, you know, every time I'd look up, he was kind of staring at me, and it wasn't a welcoming stare. And uh, it, was a, it was so odd, not a single person during that whole time was I able to strike up a conversation. It was, and I was just getting kind of nervous. So I finally stepped up to do the, the funeral. And as I stood at the le lectern, here comes that big guy. I mean, he, he was over me. And, he, and I don't mean he was overweight. He was just a big man. And he looked down at me, who's nose to nose. He says, look at here, preacher. He said, we ain't religious folks, so don't you do, do no preaching, and you keep it short. And I was like, <laughs> well, what was I supposed to do, run and get a, a plan B lesson, you know, that's a little bit softer? And I had worked in there a, a clear salvation message. Long story short, when we were all done, that guy was trying to get to me. It was, the place was packed out. He went around down a side corner, and I thought, this is it. He's going to pummel me. And his eyes were soft. His expression was entirely different. His voice was soft. He extended his hand and with compassion shook my hand, and he says, Al, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't ask him, but I believe and I'm convinced that he received Christ at the end of that service. A direct change in his temperament. The temperaments are changed from without, or from within. Possession and filling of the Holy Spirit results in the manifestations of these nine characteristics here in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Dr. Brand, uh, Henry Brandt was, uh, in his day, was one of the leading Christian psychologists in America. And he said to a group of preachers one day that if his patients could not or would not receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, he couldn't help them. It was vital that there was that inner assisting power of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual if correction was to be made or adjustment or restoration or healing. It had to be on the inside working its way out. Oh, Bob Miller. Oh, Bob Miller. I'll never forget old Bob. 
I knew him from when I was a little guy all the way up to adulthood. And one thing about this, this old Bob is that he was the kind of guy that if he said it was raining outside, you had to go look. You know? And I used to say, you know, in my later years, I used to say if, if when that guy dies, they're going to have to screw him in the ground because he was so crooked. <laughs> I didn't like him. He was my Nineveh. Do you understand how many of you were heard the message on known in Nineveh? He was my Nineveh. And God impressed him. He took ill, very seriously ill, and was in Rochester Hospital. His liver was failing. And God impressed it up on me. And I, I don't know how many times I said, oh, man, I don't know. But we happened to have a meeting in Rochester. And I said to the guys at the end of the meeting, I says, look, can we swing by the hospital? No problem, Al. And when I walked into old Bob's room at the Rochester hospital, his jaw almost hit the table because his feeling was mutual about me. And, and he, was, he couldn't believe his eyes. But, and, and it was kind of tough, but I moved up alongside the bed and I just, just talked to him very calmly. And, and, and prayed with him and invited him to ask Jesus into his heart. And he invited Jesus into his heart. And not only did he save his soul, but he healed his liver. And the man lived an additional 20, uh, 15, 20 years. And only reason why he passed away was because of an accident. There is power in these nine fruits of the Spirit. And I saw that man stand up one time in promptitude to, uh, in the in, in presence of other people and gave a testimony of the miracle of God in his life. His temperament was vastly changed. Well, mine was too. Christian character is produced by the Holy Spirit, not by some self-effort. But I will say, there ought to be an element of self-discipline. There ought to be an element of self-discipline. John 15 in verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. There it is. Abide in me, and he'll abide in, abide in us. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So, Paul said, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And notice he said fruit, singular. One might say, well, can I have the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, all nine of them, all nine of them. The fruit of the Spirit spoken of here consists of all nine. The, it, uh, fruit is singular, which means all nine. And you may say, well, I don't have long-suffering and patience. I mean, we can all relate to that. I don't have that. No, the fruit of the Spirit means all nine. You can have patience, and long-suffering with God's help. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, wearing in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. 
And a word-filled life in an individual's life, a word-filled life equals a spirit-filled life, which equals a fruitful life. John 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will be done unto you. Luke eleven thirteen, If you then being evil know how to do, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the fruit of the, the Holy Spirit unto them that ask him? The person of Jesus Christ. And the fruit of the Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. The most important thing in any Christian's life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit through the believer who is actively in vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the, there's, two, there's three sets of three. The first three is love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. These are characteristic of the inward man. I see it here all the time. I see it here. In the foyer... Before service, it's like a traffic jam out there. People are talking and laughing. There's groups. Uh, there may be a one or two over in the corner with their hands on somebody praying. Uh, I see it here all the time. Uh, then there's, after the service, same thing, same traffic jam, different people. And I've often said some of the best ministry in the ministry is occurring out there before they go out the glass doors. Paul tells us that we need to be in season and out of season. In other words, when you're in here, you're in season. In, you got it? Okay, you go through the glass doors, that you're out. Now you're supposed to be in season, out of season. In other words, you're to be the same out there as you are in here. Love is the foundation of all the virtues. Then we come to joy. Joy, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6, Paul says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You see how they go together? Luke speaks to us in Acts 13.52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And then, so that's love, that's joy, so peace. Isaiah 32 and verse 17 says, The work of righteousness shall be peace. The effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever and ever. Marriages and relationships that are a trusting quietness and assurance are blessed relationships and marriages of peace. The fruit of the Spirit can, is so vital in your relationships. So now, the next three is long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. This is characteristic of one or man's expression toward God. Guys, uh, I'm sorry, toward man. Expression toward man. Now guys, these three virtues are your expression toward your wife. Ladies, these three expressions, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, I know, got to bear with them, is your expression toward your husband.
So, love, I mean, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. Now, gentleness is a kind disposition. Uh, being gentle. Uh, Sam, I, I don't know, did I, talk, did I talk about Sam who received the Lord? I got, had two phone calls. And uh, the gentleman wanted me to go speak to Sam. Sam received Christ, and I followed up on Sam. And uh, the last day I saw Sam in his home, before he passed away, he was at the edge of his bed, just exhausted. And the cancer had taken over, and he was just kind of suffering. And I talked with him a little bit about heaven, and then I felt compelled to move over and sit next to him and just ever, ever, ever so gently draw that emaciated, bony body close to mine. And I just held him for a few moments. And that night or early the next morning, he went home to meet Jesus, thank, thankful to the two phone calls and the two people that wanted him to be saved. Uh, gentleness a kind disposition, being gentle. And then there's goodness, much like the gentleness. That's love and action, physically carrying out an act of kindness. I, I met a, uh, an individual in the first service about a week ago, and he said, Al, my brother Mal is in the hospital, in the ER. So I went and I visited Mal. Matter of fact, it was last Sunday. And I stood by his bed, and uh Mal just laid there, and he kind of groaned. He was suffering, and his eyes were closed, and I talked with him, and I prayed with him, and I thought, well, I'm wondering if he's really hearing me. So I gently reached down, and I took his hand, and I says, Mal, if you hear me, if you heard my prayer, if you heard my words, squeeze my hand, and he squeezed my hand. There's power in these nine fruits of the Spirit. Goodness, much like gentleness, love and action. And of course, um, you know, if we go out to eat, now this is love and action. My wife will say, oh, I know those people over there. Let's, let's buy their dinner. And I go, oh. But don't, we're not going to buy that guy's dinner that cut in front of me at Tim Hortons, though. <laughs> Temperaments, right? We can laugh at them. Faith, being true. Faith, meekness, and temperament are the last three. Now, uh, being true to one's promise and faithful to their task. Proverbs 23, 17, and 18. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. See, that's like what Paul said in the New Testament, in season and out of season. For surely there is an end, and your expectation shall not be cut off. Stay the course. Stay steadfast. God's not done. Faithfulness. Staying true to the task. And then there's meekness, not weakness, but a controlled strength. Jack Pridemore was a former gangster from Flint, Michigan. I got to know Jack real well. Uh, Jack was a big guy. I mean, 
when I saw Jack, I thought of a Notre Dame hunchback. He was a big guy, and he, uh, I guess he just knew it. And uh, he would tell stories of his past life as a gangster. And he wore the stars on his face and body that proved that he was a gangster. And God radically changed his temperament. And Jack, Jack was saved. He received Christ. And all of a sudden, he became excited to do the work of God. And he wanted to do it. He was eager. And so it was in the fall of 1973. I was going to go out and make a call on a family. And I says, hey, Jack. He was a new Christian. I says, hey, would you like to come along? Oh, my land. Yeah. And he just piled into the vehicle. And off we went. I got to the home, pulled in the driveway. And he jumps out ahead of me and runs ahead of me. And I'm thinking, maybe this was not a good idea. He runs up on the front porch. Jack's a big guy, and he's scary looking. His one fist was bigger than both of mine. Big guy. He starts knocking at that door like, like it was an enemy gangster that he had a bone to pick with. And, he's, and I'm coming up behind him, and the front windows in the house were just kind of vibrating. Oh, my gosh. A lady comes to the door. She cracks the door open, her eyes as big as saucers, and there stood Gangster Jack and me, Beauty and the Beast. I was, he was the beast, I was the butte. Well, that call was a wash, and I don't know if the family ever come back to church. One day, and here's what I want you to understand, meekness. Not weak. Jack was not weak, but he was meek. He was in my dorm room one time. His feet stunk. It was just the way he was. His hygiene, I don't know. And I, only, I could only take it so long, and little scrawny me started mouthing off to him. Jack, what's your problem? You stink. Take your shoes and socks off. And I went and got a bucket of hot soapy water. Now sit down and put your feet in there and soak them. He just did it. He never touched me or nothing. He could have tossed me out that second story window out onto the ground. That was Jack. God genuinely changed his temperament. I wouldn't be standing here today. And so we come to temperance. Our last one. That means to exhibit irrational restraint. Like that would fit Jack. Resist irrational restraint. How many times do we have to resist? We, we, we know we need to bite the lip a lot of times. We know that. We know we need to control our temperament. But with God's help, you know, with the spirit inside of you, he can avert so many bad situations because he speaks to you. The Holy Spirit of God can help you to have the fruits of the Spirit, and you can have a productive, effective life. Temperaments, are they under the control of the Holy Spirit? The Apostle Paul and James agree that against such, there is no law. Nothing can take it away. Nothing. It's there. It's in you. The Bible says no law 
forbids the possession and the practice of these virtues. No law says you can't have love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Nothing says that. No one can take that away from you. While at the 55-plus outing uh, in Lockport here, I guess two Saturdays ago now, uh, I received a message on my way out on my phone. And it was about a very good friend. Someone, we even did some ministry. He was unconscious. He was found unconscious early in the morning. And it just kind of troubled me. And I was kind of quiet during that outing because I just was troubled. And I began to pray for this gentleman as soon as I arrived here, I jumped into my vehicle, went straight to the ER. And as I walked into his cubicle, his wife was by his side holding his hand and stuff like that, and he was still unconscious. And I come up alongside of him, and I took his hand, and I called him by name. He immediately snapped out of his unconsciousness, looked around, he realized the environment, he saw his wife, he looked over at me, and he began to weep uncontrolled. Folks, the fruits of the Spirit are powerful. They're powerful. There is power in these nine graces. My encouragement to you is to go out and to get your own stories that will change your life of people being saved, relationships restored, people being healed, prayers being answered. Get your own stories. They'll change your life. The strongest empires of the world have not been able to silence these virtues. Be a seeker of these virtues and desire them, and pray for them, and you will have a blessed life of great purpose. Take the nine fruits of the Spirit with you, and go out and get your own stories. Heavenly Father, thank you for your people here today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for their remarkable attentiveness. God, I pray that your Spirit would do a work in our hearts today. No doubt, within the mind's eye of every person here today, they can see someone, a person, one, who they can exhibit the fruits of the Spirit to and bring them to Christ to change your life, to heal their broken body, to heal their wounds that are deep and inside. God, use every person. God, help them to seek out your fruits to use them in a great way. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for their attentiveness. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Katie's going to end in a song. Go out. Get your own stories.